0: Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbert,
1: And I'm Courtney Brons.
0: And each week we bring you conservation topics and events from around the Endless Mountains. So what's the farthest trip you've ever taken?
1: Um, I went to Europe when I was in middle school, so I guess that's the furthest I've ever been.
0: Oh wow. Okay. You beat me by a long shot because I guess the farthest I've ever been is uh, the Carolinas. Well, today we're talking about a colorful insect that embarks on a fall journey that makes me a bit jealous. Maybe not you.
1: No, I'm uh, definitely jealous too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but it's the monarch butterfly. Uh, So let's jump into talking about the monarch butterfly a bit.
1: So the monarch butterfly is one of the most recognized and studied butterflies in the world, actually. And its orange wings are lined with a black border with white dots. They're a really pretty butterfly, and they're found throughout North America. Um, They're divided into two groups in North America, the Western Monarchs, which breed west of the Rocky Mountains, and overwinter in Southern California, and the Eastern Monarchs, which breed in the Great Plains in Canada, and overwinter in Central Mexico. We'll get to a little bit more about that later.
0: I guess that's one thing I've learned already, is the fact that, um, you know, some eventually migrate towards one area and some towards the other. Alright, so let's jump into habitat a bit. Uh, So the monarch butterflies, they actually can't survive without milkweed. The caterpillars feed on milkweed and the butterflies need the plant to lay their eggs. So the female monarch lays each of her eggs individually on the leaf of the milkweed plant and each female usually lays somewhere between 300 and 500 eggs over the course of a two to five week period. After a few days, the eggs hatch in the larvae and the caterpillars spend most of their time eating. Then, give or take about two weeks, the caterpillars spin protective cases around themselves and enter the pupa stage. About a week or two later, they finish the metamorphosis And emerge as a fully formed monarch butterfly. If the butterfly hatch earlier in the summer, they actually will start reproducing within a few days. But if they hatch later in the summer, they do know that winter is coming and they better get headed south.
1: So let's talk a little bit about that migration and overwintering. It's pretty fascinating actually. So in eastern North America, as the days get shorter and colder, the monarch butterflies somehow know that it's time to abandon their breeding grounds and head for the mountains of central Mexico. Some of these butterflies migrate up to 3,000 miles. Take a minute and picture that, something so little migrating that far.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, It's got to get tiring. Uh, And I did see where they do end up migrating to certain trees, and they'll just hang out there for a bit, rest as a group, and then proceed forward. So.
1: Yep, so once they're in Mexico, they kind of huddle together on the oyamel fir trees, and they wait for longer days. So once the days grow longer again, they know to come back north. The monarchs will stop several times along the way to lay more eggs. They m- could repeat this process four to five times um, before they reach Canada. So that's quite a few generations of butterflies hatching every year. So if you're like us, you're probably wondering, how does something so little make such a long trip? Well, they use the sun to stay on course, but they also have a magnetic compass to help them with navigation on cloudier days. And they also have highly adapted wings to help them make the journey.
0: All right, so let's focus on research and conservation. So conservation groups have petitioned the U.S. government to add the monarch butterfly to the Endangered Species Act list. And the decision hasn't been made as of yet, but it's clear that monarchs are facing a growing number of threats. Uh, The western monarchs have declined by more than 99% since the 80s, which is a really substantial decline. Uh, And the eastern monarchs have declined by estimated 80 percent. So both groups uh, definitely have seen a really big decline. Now, the disappearance of milkweed is one of the major reasons for the decline. The systematic removal of milkweed from fields in recent years, uh, as well as the increased use of herbicides, have really uh, significantly reduced that milkweed population for monarchs. We'll get into that a little bit later. uh, Maybe what we can do to help them. But uh, also climate change is a threat. Monarchs are very sensitive to temperature, kind of what you alluded to earlier. When they end up going south, they kind of sit there and wait for temperature to warm up. Uh, So as I said, they're sensitive to temperature and weather changes. So climate change has a potential to offset their biological processes such as knowing when to reproduce or migrate and then you have extreme weather and extreme weather events also negatively affect their overwintering habitat so the availability of milkweed and breeding habitat and the direct survival in temperatures that are too hot or too cold
1: so what can you do to help them You can plant native milkweed in any open space in your yard or property. Um, Just make sure it's in areas that are protected from mowing or pesticide application. You can plant native flowers for adult monarchs to feed on. And this could be a combination of early, middle, and late blooming species to help fuel butterfly breeding and migration. They also provide you some pretty nice landscaping all season long too. And never use insecticide near any type of pollinator habitat. So that's a big one in protecting them.
0: Yeah, and right now is the time to go get the seeds for um, the milkweed. So go out in the field and grab those pods, uh, save them for next year, and plant them in the early spring. It's uh, a good idea. And if you even have like some edge habitat, um, something you're not going to be really using to cultivate anything it's a perfect spot for milkweed
1: let's talk about the monarch watch tagging program a little bit so it's a large-scale citizen science project and it was initiated in 1992 to help understand the dynamics of the monarch's fall migration through mark and recapture so the tagging was originally used by dr fred urquhart of the university of toronto and he used this to help locate overwintering monarchs and later determine where they came from. And the long range tagging program at Monarch Watch continues to reveal a whole lot more. So it helps to answer questions about the origins of the monarchs that reach Mexico, the timing and pace of their migration, um, their mortality during the migration, and their changes in geographic distribution. It also shows that the probability of reaching Mexico is related to their geographic location, the size of the butterfly and the date of their migration. So in order to be able to associate the geographic location with each butterfly, they have to be tagged and uniquely coded. So a new series of unique codes is generated for each tagging season and it's printed using permanent ink on all weather tags with pressure-sensitive adhesive backing. So these lightweight tags were designed specifically for the Monarch wings, and when they're applied as directed, the tags don't interfere with flight or otherwise harm the butterflies. So it's actually a really cool program. When I was in school at Penn State, we got to do this for a couple seasons.
0: Yeah, I always wondered, you know, the tagging process because you got such fragile wings and uh, it certainly explains it. And it's a really cool way to track them.
1: Yeah, there's super light stickers. You just gently kind of push them onto the wing and they stay there.
0: (laughs) So each fall, uh, the Monarch Watch distributes more than a quarter of a million tags to thousands of volunteers across North America who end up tagging monarchs as they migrate through the area. And these community or citizen scientists capture the monarchs throughout the migrating season record the tag code uh, the date and the gender of the butterfly and of course the geographic location then tag and release them and at the end of the tagging season the, this data is actually submitted to Monarch Watch and added to their database to be used in research so if you're interested in more information uh, you can actually visit monarchwatch.org and we'll have that link I posted on our website That way you can find it easier. Uh, Another way to help scientists track monarchs is through a program called Journey North. this is out of the University of Wisconsin-Madison Arboretum. And Journey North uses community-based approach, kind of like the last program we were talking about. Uh, And it allows anyone to report sightings of a particular species, in this case, monarchs. And then you can see the observations of a particular species as they make their way to the migration destination. Now I like this site because you can actually view a map of the United States and it allows you to animate the monarch observations. In other words, if you've ever went on computer to watch weather radar, see how precipitation is moving through your area, kind of do the same thing with monarchs and see where they're moving in relation to you and uh, their final destination. So that's pretty cool. Again, we will post a link to Journey North website on the Conservation Corner page so you can find that there. And you you can actually become a community scientist yourself and track the monarchs.
1: Well, we do have one event for you. It's at Salt Springs State Park. It's a first day hike. The first one is on Thursday, October 1st at 6.30 p.m. And the other one is on Sunday, November 1st, at 6.30 p.m. as well. Both of these hikes will take place in the dark, and they're both full moon nights too, which is pretty cool. And you'll end the evening around a campfire sharing snacks and stories. They ask that you bring a snack to share, a flashlight, and an adventurous spirit. And the fee is $5 per person. I guess that does it for today's show. If you have questions related to our shows, you can contact the Conservation District by calling 570-782-2105. If you missed a portion of today's show, you can go to our website www.suscondistrict.org and find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and a contact form where you can reach out and ask questions or make comments about the show. You can even suggest ideas for future shows. You've been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Courtney Brons.
0: And I'm Don Hibbert saying enjoy the outdoors.